1: and on today's going in Raw news brief, is WWE close to bringing back fans? And Rhea Ripley talks not being called up. But first, has there been a backstage power shift within WWE? Larson, what's in the news?
2: So following last night's Raw, PW Insider has an interesting report about the current state of WWE creative, saying, quote, current creative for WWE right now falls directly in the hands of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. In fact, there are some who have described Pritchard to PWinsider.com as the most powerful person in WWE right now, other than a McMahon family member. Creatively, I do ev- if, I wonder if Con- Conrad told him that. <laughs> Creatively, everything flows through Pritchard at the moment, and his word has been described as, quote, very much the gospel for Vince McMahon, which, as you might imagine, being in that position translates into a lot of frustration and heat towards Pritchard among talents privately. So, among the segments, uh, and on last night's show, that drew some frustration, was the opening segment, mm. "A Moment of Bliss," mm-hmm. with Randall Keith Thornton, mm-hmm. which uh, PW special Insider special guest states, star Randall Keith Thornton. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. Which uh, PW Insider states was quote 100% Vince McMahon's vision, and uh, the site also adds that quote several argued against the segment, feeling it was a weak opening segment and needed to be overhauled. Mm. So uh, go back to June of this year. That's when WB announced that Pritchard was uh, spearheading the creator for both Raw and SmackDown. Pritchard was replacing Paul Heyman, who was relieved of his duties as executive director of Raw. Uh, and then in an August edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Meltzer reported that, quote, regarding the current creative situation, Bruce Pritchard's role isn't really driving creative. and Kosky drives creative. Pritchard oversees the team, implements and executes Vince McMahon's orders and make sure other departments are notified about plans, of so merchandising and network partners and promotional people are in the loop. Uh, yeah. it Talks about working a bit with USA and Fox. Um, I mean, there's no reason that all these things can't be somewhat true. Yeah, sure. You no, know? um, the, the
1: smacks of what, what you've said often in the past, or we've discussed, that everybody has their own agenda, and a lot of the times when it gets filtered through uh, the wrestling news sites, the dirt sheets, if you will, um, it, that can, that can sort of, that can, that can lend some perspective to some things, you know, maybe well, especially some, things
2: that seem maybe somewhat conflicting, you know, yeah. that if, if there's someone who's a source for a particular outlet and they have an agenda, they're trying to, you know, advance mm-hmm. that could lead to some conflicting reports, potentially. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, this is the situation where we have sources telling us that that's speculation on our part.
1: It's totally speculation, but I think that we're, you know, as, as much as we play clowns on TV uh, you know, it's not difficult to put, you know, to sort of look at the landscape because that's what we do, man. We're not, we we take all the, all the bits of news that come out and we try to sort of put, put that that puzzle together and sort of figure out, you know, what is more believable than others. And in this, Mm -hmm. it just seems like, you know, yeah, it's kind of obvious. Bruce and, and Vince McMahon, they, you know, they're the final word on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce has been around for a very long time. Um, I mean, look, I, I have enjoyed over the past couple of weeks. I think Raw and SmackDown have actually been pretty decent. It's, it's decent enough for me to enjoy it. Um, the Roman Reigns. I mean, that's that's where I, I sort of. That's where I kind of take issue with some of this stuff. It could be that Vince McMahon and and, and Bruce Pritchard are you know uh, uh you know Bruce Pritchard very much the gospel as it says here, but I can't believe that Paul Heyman isn't spearheading the Roman Reigns stuff. I, I don't believe that these two guys are sitting down writing this stuff. It's just a bunch of people write it, it comes up, filters through these two guys. Yeah, there's a process. Yeah, and they have the final word. I mean, that it sounds logical. It seems like yeah. that's how it's how it's going to be.
2: I mean, um, I, I guess I think it was back when Pritchard got brought back into WWE. Uh, Jim Cornette, who I don't, you know, always agree with, um, had an interesting take on his hire in that he said, Pritchard isn't a yes man when it comes to Vince. He's the it man. He gets the it that Vince mm-hmm. is looking for.
1: Yeah. He understands the language sense. that Vince McMahon talks. Which, yeah. you
2: know, Cornette, he worked in WB Creative but back when Pritchard was there. I would assume he has insight to their relationship mm-hmm. yeah. the situation at hand. So I, I'd have no reason to think that, uh, you know, he's, he's fabricating something like that. Um, you know, you know that's, that's obviously his take on the situation. Um, but I would think could be wrong. Though. That is a take based on experience and, and some semblance of knowledge.
1: I, I just, there, there are certain things like, okay, let's try to parse the stuff about the opening segment. I don't know, man. I, I get the feeling that Bray Wyatt has some, some amount of leeway with some of this stuff. I mean, we've heard other things that like on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan has a, has a hand in creative. Big E has said, Hey, you know, the singles direction. Well,
2: Daniel Bryan is part of the creative team on SmackDown. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so Big E has said, you know, he was the guy. And now, I mean, look, Daniel Bryan sort of tangentially involved in the intercontinental scene. I mean, not even tangential. That's where he's, he's at. And look who looks to be next in line for the intercontinental championship, Big E. So it's kind of easy to put these things together. When Big E literally says Daniel Bryan's involved with this, and then you see that play on TV, okay, Daniel Bryan seems to be involved with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- all this stuff is very interesting because one thing that we love to hear about is the creative process and they're very closed about the creative process. Yes, very much so. Um and so more so than most industries. So, um that stuff it, it it is interesting. I mean, not dude, nothing about nothing about WWE right now. I mean, maybe sometimes with NXT when they when they're firing in all cylinders. But nothing about WWE TV right now smacks of like inspiration, like really inspired. The performers are great. And that's why a lot of this stuff is is definitely watchable and entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny whenever, you know, I was just listening to the Pritchard podcast uh, two days ago. They're talking about Survivor Series 1995. Conrad's obsessed with WWE 1995. I love hearing about WWE 1995. It's a fascinating period. But whenever you listen to Bruce Pritchard talk on one of those podcasts about creative, him and Vince McMahon have a very simplistic view of WWE of wrestling creative, what it should be. And it's very simple, and none of it is groundbreaking, and none of it's none of it's pushing the pushing things, pushing the envelope, if you will. Um, you know, nobody's trying nobody there is trying to make the next madmen. No. And the one of the problems is right now, especially on TV and where you watch streaming devices on your TV, Um, whether it's, you know, a a feature length narrative or, you know, an extended series. I mean, the, the, the line between TV and movies, especially these days are so blurred. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's so much over the top quality stuff. I mean, the, 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 the landscape right now with all these streaming services throwing literally billions of dollars into production of high quality like a tour-based programming. Yeah. You gotta try to compete with that. And yeah, that's, that's one reason. That that's your competition. It ain't mm-hmm. it ain't UFC, or I mean directly speaking, there are sports involved, uh, you know, as competition, and I know they probably but see that stuff.
2: As a weekly primetime entertainment program, your competition is what's on well first I guess network and cable television but in a larger sense yeah streaming platforms like net, uh, Netflix and Hulu and so on and so forth yeah there,
1: you you, you, you with a flick of a button you, you're on Netflix Hulu or uh, or uh, what Amazon Prime uh, and another flick of the button you're back on cable you have to compete with so much stuff these days yep. and that yep. stuff is killing it right now mm-hmm. and so the fact that they're not produ- they're not they have that they they still have that very simplistic uh sensibility. It keeps it entertaining enough for people who already like wrestling. It ain't bringing anybody in no, because no. you're not generating any sort of buzz
2: yeah, like the they did is,
1: back during the Attitude Era.
2: Competence is not going to be enough to 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 manufacture some actual enthusiasm outside your core fan base. It's just mm-hmm. not going to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you need a, you, the 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 way you get eyeballs on the product is is, is by going above and beyond competence. You hire basically you hire young. No, dude, no
1: other, no other series that is innovative uh, is going to be run by the same two 60 plus 70 plus year old guys uh, for decades and decades. I mean, basically, you know, Pritchard's come in and out. But you know what I'm saying? Like they had a guy like Jimmy Jacobs who was doing the the last thing that was really super memorable. I mean, right now, the Roman Reigns stuff is great. But like you think of the Festival of Friendship. And how that kind of those kinds of ideas, the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho stuff, that's the kind of stuff where if you keep on developing that line of creative, that could start to break through. That could start to generate a buzz and start to grab at some of that younger demo that -hmm. they really desperately need. Um, So, I mean, you know, but the fact is they let Jimmy Jacobs go uh, because he was uh, apparently burnt out and he took a picture with Bullet Club. Um, Oh, yeah. Wow. So. So you know what I mean? Like they don't have that, and then when they hire people, uh, you know, I mean, we still don't know what happened with with our good friend uh, Dave Schilling, but but if you pay attention to his Twitter feed, um, you know, he's got he's got a very uh, sort of uh, humorous tongue in cheek take
2: on on what seemed to be yeah. probably a surreal experience. Probably another another aspect of it too is is you're right about what's going on in the writer room, but also that also plays out on televisions where there's so much emphasis like survivor series. It's one of the major four pay-per-views every year. You got the raw versus SmackDown, the best, the best tagline, but what were they using to market, the whole thing undertaker Mm -hmm. over reliance on stars that were established decades ago and inability to build new stars. And we have a chance where you have talents there who have captured the wrestling zeitgeist Mm -hmm. specifically. I know AJ styles and Finn Balor are exactly young talent or either Anderson and gallows, but you have. Four dudes on the main mm, roster yeah. used to be in Bullet Club, and you kind of dance around the idea of really doing anything substantial with them, but you never do. That's a massive missed opportunity because people, yeah, a younger demographic who are really into the Bullet Club stuff. If you get those two, those four guys together, they're gonna go crazy for it. You if it's ha- decent, yeah. if it's yeah. just yeah. decent, yeah, you, you know? have
1: the you have the four guys who are. I mean, I look. I know there's there's you know you can you can say any number of people, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. But you've got the four guys who basically built the thing that's in Hot Topic, the Bullet Club shirts. You know, a couple of years ago. Hey, don't forget Tomatonga, man. And Tom, thank you, Tomatonga, and bad, bad Luck Valley. Mm-hmm. But you have those four guys, and people love factions. It, it 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 shocks me that it it really shocks me that they never they never ran with that. You know, and and and. You see how well factions can work and how cool they can be. You slap a cool logo on a t shirt and you're just you're making money right there. And it's just it is so bizarre to me that they have not embraced that further. Um, I don't know. It's 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 it does and it doesn't because again, they just like things to be simple. You know? Yeah. They like things to be simple. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. I, I am kind of curious like what who would have a problem who would have had a problem with the opening segment specifically from last night. Like, do you think that would have been other creatives that I don't were like, know. I mean, "Hey, I, I, this might have been cooler." I'm
2: watching that segment and thinking this is pretty neat, but it did feel a tad undercooked. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And if that's this, you know, if it's a situation where we're like, okay, let's go, uh, let's do another revision of this particular segment, and and get it so it doesn't feel a tad undercooked. I Me, mean, it could be as simple as that. Maybe the situation was like, yeah, maybe we don't have time to, to revise or, or rewrite the segment or add anything to it. So let's move it to another place in the show. So it's not opening the show. You know, they want to the open the show to be a pretty major hook to get mm-hmm. people invested in the rest of the show. I don't know. Without more details, it's hard to speculate.
1: Yeah. Uh, something that uh, WWE continues to ruminate about, uh, the return of fans. So obviously, Vince, we've heard this for ages now. He's been chomping at the bit. To get fans back into venues for seemingly months now, about a month ago, WrestleVotes reported that WWE wanted fans in attendance at next year's Royal Rumble, even if it's just for that one show. We're two months away from that, Larson. Today, WrestleVotes had a bit of a follow-up, noting that, internally, WWE is said to want a decision on whether fans are permitted for the Royal Rumble by January 7th, with a possible announcement of sorts coming that weekend. Source states, odds are 50-50 right now. Important month ahead. We're in the, like, catastrophic area of the pandemic. It's it's an interesting situation. I've been watching quite a bit of uh, television about this stuff, um, how, you know, we really do need to be doubling down on efforts to make sure that these last couple months before the vaccine hits, the, uh, you know, the, the first responders, the uh, health care workers, mm-hmm. uh, the people who are more at risk. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I probably won't end up getting it till the summertime. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, you know uh the, the this last chunk of time,
2: there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it's an ugly tunnel right now. It and, is uh, and, we still don't have any real hard data as far as how badly Thanksgiving travel is gonna affect. yeah, the that's still yet to. It's yeah, probably gonna be really bad.
1: It's probably gonna be awful.
2: And uh you know, if people decide then even in in light of that evidence to travel for Christmas, it's going to get really really bad again. The the bigger issue is here is again
1: we've we've mentioned this before um how will WWE justify this from a public relations standpoint if they do? If they if they go all out, let let's say Vince is satisfied with an AEW type setup. I don't know where is the do we even know where is the rumble supposed to be happening? They would announce,
2: but you would one would assume it'd be uh, a Thunderdome for tro- at Tropicana Field. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean I don't know man if they if they set up something where you have some pods uh and you do their standard checks like AEW if they basically re- replicate the AEW thing uh you know hopefully that'd be enough to to satisfy Vince that's that's best you can ask for you're not going to have a bunch of people packed in on hard cam no, coughing no. each other's mouths that's not going to happen No no
2: no um, I mean you, you look at some of the NFL games um you know is what 15 25% attendance or a lot of them um people are i guess relatively spread out there's not pods per se in terms of of in- individual seating units mm-hmm. you know but people are distance
1: mm-hmm, yeah
2: um and if, if you do that enforce strict mask policy that's really the the best you can you can you could ask for at this point anything more than that is is just a horrible idea it's you know, a horrible be, idea yeah it is
1: you know it would be cool man you know the, the the pandemic era of wrestling has been uh, defined largely, especially in the earlier days, uh, with cinematics. Um, why not do? You, they did such a great job with the Money in the Bank cinematic. I really loved that. Uh, do the same kind of thing with the Royal Rumble. You know, you I think you mentioned this ages ago. Put it on a barge, have some fun waters, with the like, waters. Right. Like at Money in the Bank, you had two people be thrown off a roof, yep. uh, off a skyscraper. Uh, luckily, Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black survived. Aleister Black, maybe he would have wished he hadn't at this point. Um,
2: in kayfabe. I mean, they survived the fall. Aleister's
1: career, maybe not so much. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, if, if in kayfabe he didn't, maybe he could have been, come back as a dead man. Um, but uh, but yeah, do a cinematic. Have some fun with it. One last big cinematic to blow out you know, the pandemic. And the next thing you have is Mania. And maybe you can have some people there. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Yeah. Hey, how about this? Uh, once WrestleMania, uh, happens, you invite the, the healthcare workers, <laughs> the people have been vaccinated already. So, hey, you know, you guys done such a bang up job here. Welcome to WrestleMania. Uh, you, you, get,
2: you get in and you get in free gratis.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, somebody who wants in at WrestleMania. Once again, oh, Rhea Ripley, she talked about not being picked up in the WWE draft
2: in an interview with Lily and Garcia on Chasing Glory, what does she say? Yeah, so ever since eating the pin at Takeover in your house, kind of felt like Rhea Ripley was on the verge of getting called up basically to the main roster at any moment, and that was doubly so after she lost to Io Shirai, NXT was title bout just a couple of weeks ago. So as you mentioned, yeah, she had a pretty wide wide ranging chat with Lily and Garcia on her podcast Chasing Glory. There's some good stuff in there uh, where Rhea talks about uh, losing her confidence following her loss to Charlotte at WrestleMania uh, this past year. This year, 36. Uh, but then she also talked about not getting drafted, and she almost makes it seem like that she was kind of expecting to get drafted. That's what she had to say, quote, I was waiting for it, and then it didn't happen. I would like to go to Raw or SmackDown, but at the same time, there are so many people at NXT that I haven't faced yet, and I feel like there's so much more that I could still do. I'd love to wrestle Candace, especially now that her whole persona has changed. I'd love to wrestle Indy Hartwell, Shotzi, I want to wrestle Raquel Gonzalez again. I'd love to do a stipulation match with her. Those transcripts are for Fightful. Um, I mean, just as as someone who who watches the product, it kind of feels like that Rhea has done everything. Isn't NXT. that sort of,
1: yeah, hasn't NXT sort of uh, dug themselves into a bit of a hole after years and years and years of being the place where people go, they establish their brand, they get called up, for better or worse. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're sort of an interesting situation where they're finding out, they're learning how to, and in some cases very successfully, like Johnny Gargano, how to keep people around and keep them fresh, uh, or even like, you know, reabsorb
2: people, Finn Balor, um. they got cases like Tommaso Ciampa, where no idea what they're doing with him. It's, it's It's the idea of, you have someone in NXT for, let's call it a cycle. Mm-hmm. where they have their push, they have their <clears throat> major story arc, maybe they win uh, a championship or two, maybe not. So usually at the end of that cycle, that individual will get called up to the main roster. Yeah. But now, it seems like NXT, now that especially it's on USA, I'm sure there's some minor ratings considerations. I don't think they really care about the ratings of that show. I'm talking about WWE as a whole, more so as a deterrent to AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're getting to the point where more and more talents are staying beyond that first cycle and they got to decide how to, yeah, as you mentioned, keep them relevant and fresh and involved, especially when a lot of the, those uh, particular talents are pretty huge names within NXT. I mean, the fact they have not built up with anything substantial for Tommaso Ciampa boggles my mind, boggles my mind.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: it is, it is interesting.
1: Um, There there was a period of time when they were debuting on USA, When it was a year ago when they had the Survivor Series stuff, when there really was a question how much of an actual third brand were they going to be. And they had, I think, a real opportunity there to switch things up in a way that felt real. Um, And they didn't. They sort of reverted back. Now they're in an awkward in-between sort of state where... You know, they're keeping the Undisputed Era there for probably way too long. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, they've kept him there too long. And I know he has said in interviews, but I always take that with a grain of salt that he wants to stay in NXT. Well, that's fine as long as you have something to do. Um, So, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, Rhea Ripley is going to end up on main roster probably, I would think, sooner than later. Um if she's gonna if they're gonna have her stick around, get, find something meaty for her. Know. you know, I, I don't know. know. I mean, Gargano was the kind of guy who was such a pure babyface underdog guy that changing him was a drastic thing. Champ has done both. He's been like tweener babyface and he's been tweener bad guy. I mean, he's been really bad guy. but yeah. like even then he was just really too cool to accept as like, oh wow this guy's a bad, bad guy. Oh Um, man. When his
2: theme song was chorus of booze, that was, that was,
1: yeah, I know, but that was still pretty cool. Um, I, I get what you're saying though. He can only, he can only oscillate so far though. You know? Oh, I know. I know. I know. Rhea Ripley, I kind of feel is in the same boat. I mean, maybe, maybe you can turn her back into like super mega heel. Maybe that'd work. And maybe you can get a lot more juice out of that. I mean, Shotzi obviously being set up as the next big baby face star. Um, I mean, Rhea Ripley around as a big mega heel. Maybe they can have a a cool, you know, two takeover, two or three takeover cycle thing like champion Gargano had. That's a possibility and get a lot more out of that. That's a
2: situation, too, where, uh, I mean, Rhea Ripley in NXT is not enhancement talent, but the point of that story, not to say Rhea wouldn't pick up some wins, but the end result of that story would be to get shots the over. Yeah, sure. You know?
1: I mean, at some point, something's got to give and something's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> at some point,
2: Ripley's yeah. got to go. And that's totally what it is, is we've been conditioned by NXT. It's like being mm-hmm. a fan. I said it before, it's like being a fan of Major League Baseball team. You have to be a, a, a fan of the team or, in this case, the brand. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to, historically speaking, be a lot of turnover. Yeah. Um, NXT has also faced a lot of problems this year because they've had a lot of injury troubles. Yeah, that's true, too. You know, who knows what the plans would have been had Karrion Cross not gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, even just more recently, if Finn Balor hadn't gotten mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah, you know Keith Lee as NXT champion was called up quite suddenly.
1: Really suddenly. Who
2: who knows if that changed any plans? So yeah, yeah. I mean, with you know, when uh, if you
1: just sort of follow the model of of the main roster, like you said, Rhea Ripley versus Shotzi Blackheart. Eventually, that's to get Shotzi Blackheart over. I get that. So you move Rhea Ripley on to another feud where she goes over like two feuds and then she goes back to putting a baby face over. It's just it's it's but you're right. We've been conditioned to not think that's the way NXT works. Um, Mm -hmm. But if they're going to keep people around indefinitely, they're going to have to start going to that more simplistic model of wrestling that we talked about earlier in the show.
2: Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> and then it will feel like a, a, a third brand under WWE's umbrella. Yeah, it's, it's probably gonna be headed there anyways. Put it's in the, the Thunder 22. Yeah, I know it, it. totally
1: is. I mean, that's what NXT is. I mean, that's so great about it, is that it was so fresh. They just use people, uh, and then basically at their zenith, they uh, they haven't put somebody over, and then they, they quantum leap out. out. Yeah, they teleport out. Yeah, yeah. It was a cool thing about that. Anyways, uh, that's gonna do it for this. What's turned into a news beef. Thanks everybody for tuning in, we appreciate it. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Help support going in raw today by becoming a Frendo Club TV member. You'll get access to new bonus episodes every week, including Friendo Club Arcade,